0: All right, we're back with Lord of the Rings and Things, Fellowship of the Ring, part two, extended edition.
1: Nice. Hello, ladies. Hello. It's been a long time. What all has gone down between all of us since recording?
2: I got a puppy. You got a puppy. Was this like a personal thing or like what? (laughs) It can be a whatever thing you want. Oh, okay. I did get a puppy. Our two subscribers will really love it. It's true. Tell, follow, us ab- tell us about the dog. His, his name is Socks. He's a seven and a half week old border collie Australian shepherd mix. Mm. He's so cute. He's very smart. And you can follow him on Instagram at Socks the Aussie Collie. There you have it. A cool mom name. who knows how to market. <laughs> Maya,
1: what's been new with you?
3: Um, I've really gotten into fall flavored things, mm. including the pumpkin spice latte, um, fall flavored candles, sweaters, and cozying up in blankets at night.
2: Yes. Ready. ready what yourself. is
1: your go-to drink? Like, what drink is in your hand?
3: Um, well, actually, right now, it's the white peach, um, green tea with honey from our favorite honey providers. Homestead
1: in the hood. Should we give this plug? Because they're kind of worth it. Oh, it has plug. Mm-hmm. Homestead in the hood. It's our dear friends. They are beekeepers in Lakewood. And they make the most delicious. They don't make it, their bees make it, and it's awesome. It's got all the energy. Pure enzymes.
3: unfiltered honey. Mm-hmm. And so good. I have like half a jar that I haven't touched in a while and it's starting to crystallize. And it's that's that's so the best.
1: Good. When that honey crystallizes, that's the only time to eat honey. It's so good. It tastes like just like thick sugar like butter sugar. But butter sugar, yeah. yeah. Like on a nice warm biscuit. Oh my mm, gosh. So good. So good. Erica, what's new with you? Um, yeah, well, from we had a time to record this last weekend, and I had to bail because I thought I had COVID, but I don't and I didn't. So,
2: yay. <laughs>
1: yeah, that was that could have been bad, but no, I got tested and I don't have COVID and I'm happy to report that I don't. And other than that, I've just been doing a lot of reading. It's been nice and chilly here in Denver the past couple of mornings, so it's been awesome to just be outside and we've also had a lot of rain, which has mm. been which has been awesome. So that's kind of that's kind of me. Jenny, what about you? Uh, life has been good. Mm-hmm. I have been in hanging on to the last of Colorado's
0: summer, just mm-hmm. trying to get outside before the weather really changes. Having a fun time,
1: job searching. Hey, hello. Yeah. Um yeah, life is good. Great. Um to preface, Jenny and I have spent most of our nights this past week watching cast commentaries and the directing and writing team commentaries for part 1 and part 2 of the fellowship. So we just feel like sponges of information. We learned so much and it was so fun. We would make nice treat, take it down to the basement, and we would, you know, just enjoy it. It sounds so fun. It was great. It was also really fun
0: to watch the movies all the way through again with the commentary mm-hmm. and learning so many things while you're watching. It was a blast. And, was the cast wow. and the cast, and the... The dialogue between the cast was super fun to listen to while watching because you felt like they were all such good friends, which they are, which made it so much fun to watch
1: that commentary. Mm -hmm. It was it was a blast. We'll have to sit down with you guys and watch them. Or they're your movies, Maya. You'll take them. Oh yeah, you can watch them. I'll be watching them.
3: (laughs) I'll be watching you. So, general thoughts. What did people... What are some overarching feelings about part two? Melissa, anything yeah, in Melissa, particular? I honestly
2: liked part two better than the first Ooh. one. Like, the You're first kidding. one was great. It was, like, really rich. But I liked just how um, the story progressed. in mm-hmm. number two, I think that it really picked up, and then there was a lot more dynamic between the characters in, in the story and, like, Ew. twists and stuff. Mm. Yeah. I liked it a lot better. Yeah. Do you think it is more fast-paced? Yeah. I okay. think so. Yeah. I definitely think so.
1: Yeah. There's a lot, definitely a lot more action. So much more action. hmm Yeah, well, we can kind of break it down a little bit. Um, we open part two. Um, we're still in Rivendell, and the council of Elrond has just happened and it opens with Aragorn this really beautiful scene him staring at the statue of his mother and I'm curious how long did you at what age did you guys realize that that was his mother because I was last month's years old when I realized that
3: I am today years
1: old in learning that oh okay same I didn't know that until you just said that <laughs> great how did we do we learn that in the commentary? I've known about it for a while. Oh. Maybe it's in the book. Wow. I just have a question. I don't think Why was. was
3: his mother buried in Rivendell? Because so she was go- elvish. So he oh. grew... Aragorn actually grew, grew up, up in, in Rivendell. Rivendell. He grew up there. <gasps>
0: and that's why he in- lived so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, because his mom is an elf and his dad was a man mm-hmm. from <sighs> the line of the kings of Gondor. And he grew up in Rivendell with his mom. So that's why. Mm -hmm. And so that's why he has that connection with Arwen. That's Mm -hmm. why Elrond knows him so well. That's why the Elvish people know him so well Mm -hmm. throughout the whole trilogy. Yeah, he speaks fluent Elvish, all that. It's really interesting. Him and Arwen has probably seen him as a baby. Is in love with him. Yeah. I mean,
3: he's pretty attractive.
1: He's all right. No, I'm just kidding. He's great. Well, yeah, (laughs) he has (laughs) a fun relationship with Haldir that um, Mm -hmm. you see him in Two Towers. He leads the elven army in Two Towers. He's like got a fun bond with him, sort of.
0: Yeah, and even his relationship with Legolas, like they go way back before the fellowship, and that's because Aragorn grew up in the elvish culture. Mm. Didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. before he leaves Rivendell, he's staring at that statue and he's kind of com carim- what's that word? Commemorating? Com- yeah, that one. Oh. <laughs> I can't even <laughs> say it. <laughs>
2: yeah. Thinking
0: about his mom because that's mm-hmm. where he grew up and spent all our, his time with her. What hap- what's the deal with his dad?
1: He died. He died. The King of Gondor. Right? Is he the King of Gondor? I don't think
0: his dad was the King I of Gondor. I think that that was his point. like it was his ancestor. Yeah. And I, I believe that his family, or his mom, dad, it, if you go way back, their love affair was not supported, and so I think it's something like that where they kind mm. of ran like, he
3: relinquished the throne, too. Yeah. Mm. And right. Strider is following in the
1: same footsteps. Right. A mm, little bit of Romeo and Juliet action. Yeah. We could go back and confirm those details. I would love to learn more about his childhood. I think that that would be really fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then it cuts to Bilbo giving Frodo Sting, the Mithril, and we get a very. It's a scene that has scarred me into adulthood. Oh, yeah. That, I mean. Nightmares. Yeah. That Bilbo <laughs> face that he gives. I learned yeah. in the commentary that that was a puppet. That was a
0: puppet. It was literally a puppet that they'd been working on for mm-hmm. months. And then
3: they just threw it in that scene really yeah. quick. Can yeah. I just say, I think think that CGI has almost ruined the storytelling love, like the completely. love for storytelling. Maybe not completely for everything, but it's just sometimes things don't feel mm. authentic. They feel yeah. cheap mm-hmm. and too fast. It's like easy. how they took
0: so many
1: years to create these movies. Yeah. And the Hobbits, they just whipped them out mm-hmm. in like six months. But that like really grieved Peter Jackson. Like he yeah. talks about that. He talks about how he knew that that Hobbit process was rushed and he didn't want to be a part of the project. Oh. They came to him, and he was like, they were like, we cannot do this without you." And so then he hmm. signed on, but he didn't want to at first. He's like, "I'm kind of done. Like I've done my part in the Middle Earth world." Mm-hmm. And they were going to be filming in middle or in New Zealand anyway, and so he jumped on board. But wow. you can there's some interviews with Ian McKellen who plays Gandalf. Um, talking about how sad he was that he performed basically in front of a green screen that whole movie, Wow. and how much he felt like that was a disservice to the training he received. Oh my mm. god, it's really sad. Yeah, it is just interesting the
0: contrast between the two trilogies mm-hmm. and how much time and thought was poured into everything in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I mean, that puppet it took a months to months. make, and, and, and it that was one, in it for
1: th- half not a second. Even a, yeah. yeah, it's wild. I always I always find that second. interesting. Maya or melissa what did you take from that scene did you feel like empathy for bilbo did you feel empathy for frodo can you think back to what emotions
2: um yeah i think i felt like in the moment empathy for bilbo because he's still even though he's been away from this Mm -hmm. ring for a while he's still battling with that Mm -hmm. greed that um desire to have that ring and like that burden that he has been carrying for so long that he let go of. Um and so I guess it's like opening up a old wound that he like kind of he w- went away to get it healed in a, in a way, you know. He, he
1: totally did
2: like mm-hmm. to to be rid of that life that yeah. he used to be in and now he's in a new one and so now that that's coming back into his new world and he still struggles with it. Um but you can tell that like he he like whimpers after he like has that little freak out moment and he whimpers and it's just very um very precious that like he he's like I know that this is an issue and like I'm sorry for me lashing out like this um yeah I felt really bad for him yeah and you can see Frodo doesn't
1: understand that relationship to the ring yet I mean the ring hasn't begun to take that effect. Poison Frodo? Yeah, quite yet. And I think Frodo knows, obviously, that the ring's important. He knows that it has some sort of a power. But I think he's... you mean, you see it on his face. He's just like, I'm not... What is this side of you? And he's about to go take this journey, and I think that... I think that that gives him some reluctancy, I'm sure, to (coughs) what what exactly am I dealing with, you know? Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's so sweet. It's just... Bilbo's like that. Those were his glory days, like being with the dwarves and helping them defeat Smaug. Like that. That. That was his glory days, and it's kind of fun to see him be excited for Frodo, like giving him Sting and giving him the Mithril. Like this was my trusted companion. But how sad he feels that he pu- is putting that upon Frodo. It's just like a very human conversation, and I've always really appreciated mm. it, except for that one. Freaky. Oh, that scared the bejesus out of me as a kid. Like, because it just feels like it comes out of left field. I don't know. (laughs) Um, then Elrond sends the fellowship. I mean, that swell, that music. That's one of the first times we hear that fellowship theme, that musical theme.
3: the moment the camera turns and is coming in with all of the amazing people gathered around Mm -hmm. to have this council of Elrond, you really start to feel that sense of home. Mm -hmm. I don't know why out of all of the movies, that's the moment I think of Mm -hmm. when I think of Lord of the Rings, and the sense of peace, and... And
1: home. Home. Home is the best way to put it. That is a huge theme in these movies. Home. Yeah.
3: And I wonder if part of it is the music. The music makes it so
1: rich and Mm. um, grounding. I feel like all of these characters are bringing a culture with them through these journeys, you see Gimli, he's bringing home with him. You can, I mean, you can look at him and know for a fact where he comes from. Mm, yeah. Mountaine, you know, rust, they're just, you know, they sword and silver and just these intense home lives. I think it's an intense home life for Gimli. So you see that culture being brought with him, you see Legolas Legolas's culture being brought him with him. Aragorn's, he's the only one who's like I don't really know where I belong and he's finding that out through the books, through the movies. Um, but especially with with the four, the four hobbits. Home is everything to them.
0: Well, I think at that part where they are leaving Rivendell and there's that super endearing moment in the extended editions where <laughs> Frodo secretly whispers to Gandalf, like, which way, he mm-hmm. basically asks. And Gandalf just leans over his shoulder and he says, to the left. And it's just so cute. It just, did we, I don't know, did we already touch on that? mm But it, it's just sweet that Frodo literally has no idea, but he's willing to go so out of his mm-hmm. way to do this. Mm-hmm. This whole mission quest thing.
1: hmm
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> Yeah, he told Sam he's ready to go home. Yeah. Have you ever had that moment in your life when you felt like, Mm -hmm. okay, I've reached my goal. I've done
1: what I've set out to do.
3: Mm -hmm. I'm ready to go home.
1: Yeah. I definitely... Totally. After, like, the third or fourth mile on the treadmill, I'm like, I'm good to go home. (laughs) That's how I feel after the first quarter mile. Yeah. I'm like, I'm done. I did what I set out to do. Third or fourth mile, Erica, that's pretty good. Why, thank you. It's like
0: a 5K. Yeah. I will bring up another thing that we learned in the cast commentary Please. edition. I thought that this was hilarious, and I think you'd like to know it too. But in that scene where the fellowship is leaving Rivendell, uh, <laughs> oh
2: yeah, I forgot the about characters, the, oh, the I actors who
0: played Mary and Pippin. Sorry, I don't know their names. Billy Boy, Billy and Boyd, and. <laughs> <da-ba-ba-ba-ba>. <laughs> Anyhow, they listening. created this. This side story in their minds that these Elvish women were crying as they're watching the Fellowship leave. They were crying because Merry and Pippin became baby daddies during their time in Rivendell. And hearing the cast talk about that little side story and why all these women were crying and saying they'd be back in nine months was just the funniest thing that we learned ever in that moment I remember cracking up yeah and I would not have known that unless I watched the cast commentary so so
1: funny little
0: snippet there that's what the cast was thinking or at least joking about and I thought that that was hilarious no I
1: think that that's exactly what happened I mm-hmm. think Mary and Pippin got all of those women laid they got busy they got busy <laughs> in the book they're in Rivendell for a uh, several months so that's worth noting I'm sure they had time <laughs> they had plenty of time well, they leave Rivendell and they are starting to travel. We get some really beautiful New Zealand shots. Jenny, I'm sure that made your heart swell looking swell. at those. I think an important thing to think about in part two is you really
0: start to see the character of Boromir. The The leaves get pulled back. What's that? The skin gets pulled back. What's that analogy? The, the, the layers. The, the, the layers. The
2: onion layers.
0: Yeah. I'm Trek.
2: Okay, I, I don't know.
0: Anyhow, so we really start to see the character of Boromir yeah. and his progression in part two, and I think it starts literally right after they leave Rivendell. There's that... The thing about Boromir is it's just he's so up and down. He's so human, which I was trying to describe to Erica last night. It's super refreshing to have his character in this film mm-hmm. because he is so human, and it's like, oh, I love Legolas, and I love Aragorn, and I love Gandalf. You know, there are these amazing... Characters who you feel like never make a wrong move. But the refreshing thing about Boromir is you see this constant struggle. One day he's rolling on the ground with the hobbits, teaching them how to fight and use their swords and laughing. The next he's questioning Frodo on his decisions and questioning Aragorn. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure we'll get there throughout the movie, but there's just so many scenes. And I think it's really important to witness his struggle throughout this whole second part of the movie. Because obviously it makes the ending even more just
2: gut-wrenching.
0: Mm-hmm. But that's one thing I had written in my notes was just talking about that and his character development. Yeah. Cuz I really think they almost do Boromir's character development so better much better
1: in the extended edition. Better
0: or just as good as any other character and he's yeah. only in the first film.
1: I know, yeah. I just wanted
0: to
3: bring that, that up does because I thought finale.
0: Yeah. I thought it, it's super interesting because there's so many moments sprinkled throughout the and Melissa brought up the fact that he struggles with the ring, and I think that mm-hmm. leads to the fact that
1: he's got so many mm-hmm. character
0: development moments that are important to
1: Yeah. And point I think out. Gandalf in the extended edition, there is a line that Gandalf gives to Frodo and he says, I fear I fear that evil is coming from outside and inside of the fellowship. So mm-hmm. be on guard. Mm. Like and he, asked, he asks him, like, how is the load? Like, how how is the weight? And he's like, it's getting heavy. And Gandalf is like, I can feel it. Like, I can feel the presence of it getting stronger. So Gandalf <clears throat> knows that everyone is being tempted. And he was also tempted, too. I mean, he had that moment where he said, don't offer me that ring. Well, skipping along, they are stuck on the snowy mountain for a bit. Saruman is chanting these epic spells to try to bring down the mountain and just knowing chris lee the actor who played saruman i just can't imagine how into that he was getting like he was a tolkien like scholar Fanatic. yeah and so for him to be able to like speak those spells that he probably knows how to say better than anybody on that whole he was probably like i don't need help you he's know? like no 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 guys it's- yeah it's this. Yeah, totally. (laughs) He was just such a nerd about it. So I'm, I could just envision him getting so in character about it. I mean, his Mm. interviews are so funny. He's just like, yeah, he gets into it. So that's awesome. I can't wait to hear him. Yeah. He's, yeah, he passed away two, two or three years ago now. Oh, maybe longer. Yeah. It was very sad. He did amazing things but they end up getting to the door of moria and we see this amazing enchant enchanted door that the dwarves have set and it's a spell and it's asking them to speak friend and then enter and so they're trying to crack the code and one of the most gutting things happens in this point does anybody want to guess what is so sad about this scene to the horse yeah sam has to let bill go and it's really gutting. Melissa, you're staring at me like you couldn't care less about the horse, Bill.
2: <laughs> well, I don't remember the horse Bill. <laughs> the horse. It I was it's like a, a couple second seconds. seconds. The yeah. book oh. is more heart rate breaking.
1: It is. Sam weeps <laughs> over the horse, and all Bill. of them are like, "Sam, yeah." Oh. The the horse is named Bill. Bill.
2: Bill. They're, like,
3: really good friends. It's, like, Sam's companion that mm-hmm. brought him out of the Shire, and it's his one piece of home. Mm. that's sad.
2: Well, that's, like, a symbol of, like, leaving home, in a way, and, like, finding a new home wherever you're at. Mm.
3: The gates of... Oh, my goodness. That's so good. It's, like, Moria becomes the omen, the one symbol that mm. changes the trajectory of the whole fellowship. Mm-hmm. And... Saying goodbye to Bill was the goodbye to the Shire, Mm -hmm. and later, it's going to be an even sadder goodbye Mm -hmm. than Bill.
1: Yeah. Whoa. When they
3: leave Moria.
0: Yes. It just, like, things slowly start trickling off.
1: Yeah, I mean, to put lightly, Shiz hits the fan in the minds of Moria, which Gandalf said would happen. But Gimli was just insistent on taking them through. My family would give everyone a royal welcome, is what he said. (laughs) I have a question. Do you think Gandalf knew on the Snowy
3: Mountain that he was going to die or potentially would die when Frodo made the choice, said, we're Mm -hmm. going to Moria? Do you think Gandalf was like,
0: I think he was the only one aware of the risk because he was the only one who knew that the Bellrock was there. Mm-hmm. And he's obviously the only member of the Fellowship that could stand a sliver of a chance against that. And so I think he knew the risk. I don't think he was able to foresee that he was going to die.
3: But mm-hmm. but he was a wizard, and maybe it's possible. True, he There could have known. been
1: some sort of prophecy that he maybe had seen. But yeah, there is just like this, it gets personal for him. There's just like that really f- cool zoom in on his face when he's just like, the minds it is and like he just looks so like well this is going to get personal like I, I, this is going to be a fight that <laughs> i'll have to mm-hmm. be in charge of I, I think he knew that's just the stance yeah, love, i love cool. this i think he knew I he knew he was
3: going to die hmm.
1: when did you did you think that watching it this time around or have you kind of always thought
3: i've, I've always thought that i think my mom is the one who said that Whoa. one time when i was young and i think it's just stuck with me
1: yeah
0: I definitely believe it. I I wrote down in my notes, I think it's interesting that Gandalf lets Frodo decide. And it seems like that is a theme throughout this the fellowship. He lets Frodo make the decisions. Which I kind of really respect.
1: If I were Gandalf though, I don't think I would. Because if Frodo is carrying this evil ring that's poisoning his mind, the last person I'm going to ask to make the decisions or the calls is going to be the guy carrying that thing around his neck. Or is he the first person you ask because he's got the most weight? Literally. No, because then what if the ring's just like, go to
2: the mines?
1: True. I don't know. I don't know. That was
2: just interesting to me. Or maybe it's like a teaching moment because I think Gandalf has kind of been this father figure for Frodo. Mm. Um, And so Frodo... He's already kind of insecure about, like, he doesn't Mm -hmm. know what's going on. He doesn't know how to accomplish this journey. He doesn't even know which way to go in the beginning. Mm -hmm. Um, And Gandalf has been there the whole time for him. And I Mm -hmm. think maybe maybe Gandalf saw all these different moments, these small moments, as, like, teaching moments for him, Mm -hmm. where it's like, I I want you to become who you're supposed to be Mm -hmm. and to step into that power, but, like, to to know yourself so well or to be confident in your decisions that, like, you're going to make the right choice. Um, but even then, like, it's it's okay if you make a mistake sometimes or, like, mm-hmm. you have consequences for different choices. And mm-hmm. I
1: don't know. Yeah, so that if the circumstance came that Gandalf would be removed from the fellowship, that nobody was dependent on him, that he had given other people the opportunity to make decisions.
3: Well... And when Gandalf gave Frodo the ring, there's that moment when he tells Frodo he's going on the adventure, it's time to leave, he has to go, and Frodo's all packed up, has his pack on, he's about to leave by himself, Sam hasn't entered the picture yet, and Gandalf looks at him with this tender love. I think that is when Gandalf says that hobbits are so remarkable Mm -hmm. and so... So influential. So I yeah. think he knew at that moment, probably from his, from Bilbo even, that mm-hmm. hobbits have
1: more strength in them than any of the other characters. You're so right. Characters. And Frodo, in, at least in this movie, is young. I mean, in the books, he's like old as crap. But in the movie, in Peter Jackson's world, he's young. He hasn't ever left mm-hmm. the Shire before. So Gandalf is, yeah, probably you're right, Melissa Maya, teaching him. Which, I just, I love Gandalf and Frodo's relationship. I love Frodo's relationship with all of the characters, but there is really something special about him and Gandalf. Mm -hmm. Like, because I feel like Gandalf feels responsible for Frodo. Like, I got you into
2: this mess. I'm sorry, you know? So, when they're in the, the mines and Frodo sees Gollum for the first time... Down in the kind of sewage areas, mm-hmm. <laughs> lurking around, um, like a freak. He, yeah, like a freak, and it's just really creepy. And he turns to Gandalf and is asking, like, what is that? And Gandalf gives this um, rich backstory to um, Gollum that his name used to be Sméagol, and that he used to be um, this real life human mm-hmm. being, like that had. Um, a real life, and wasn't this creature lurking around, and how the ring has kind of destroyed a lot of who he is, and um, now what he stands for, and like, how his life is now, Mm -hmm. Um, and Frodo says something where he is saying that, well, they should have killed him when they had the chance, Mm -hmm. Um, but... Gandalf comes back with this really great line where he says, "Well, do not be too eager to deal with death and judgment." And I think that's just such a good perspective mm-hmm. um, that Gandalf has given um, in that context. Context to say, like, "Hey, have empathy because like you you have no idea what load these other people are carrying or what." hard things they've endured that have made them who they are today Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's just a good life lesson in general I think that before we judge somebody else or before we judge um, a situation or circumstance that someone might be in maybe we should take a step back and say well I mean where have they been and what have they been through that has caused them to act or think or say things like this And in Gollum's case, it's um, he's just so attached to this ring that he's obsessed Mm -hmm. with it, and um, I guess for good reason in a way. Like it's not that he wants to be in this situation, but um, yeah, it gives us perspective to have more empathy for even the creepiest characters. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah,
1: yeah. I think what
2: Gandalf says to Frodo
1: is what motivates him to show him empathy throughout the movies. I mean, Sam just absolutely hates Gollum. Mm -hmm. But Frodo always stands up for him, is always trying to protect Gollum from Sam, and I think it's because Gandalf's... Well, really, one of the last conversations he had with Gandalf was about Gollum, and I think Frodo carries that with him.
0: Fun fact I learned during the commentary was, at this point in the trilogy... Peter Jackson didn't know how to interpret the look of Gollum, mm-hmm. and I thought that was interesting because in this scene they tried to show him as little as possible, but also getting the, you know, his look across. But they weren't really sure how that was going to sh- show up in the later films when he has a little bit more of a role. And I thought that was kind of interesting. They yeah. just kind of roll with it, and you see a difference. You see you a difference in the Gollum that they show in The Fellowship, opposed to the Gollum that they show in the later two movies.
1: I think you see the Gollum before they casted Andy Seifers and yeah. the Gollum after they casted him. Yeah, very like, true. He looks like a little bit more human qualities, which I mm-hmm. think is what makes Gollum so freaky. I mean, Melissa, you will meet this little freak, but when I would watch these movies growing up, I forced my family to skip through the parts with Gollum because I had horrible mm-hmm. night terrors about him. Like, he freaked me out so much, and my mom was like, it's just a guy in a green suit, and that didn't make any sense to me as a kid. I was like, what does that even mean? He's definitely
2: not green. I mean, he's not
1: green, and he's an alien looking
0: thing, so. Isn't there that iconic line that Gandalf says right after that moment, like, we have only the choice we to have do only what,
1: We have only the time we've been given. When our job is to s- decide what to do with the time we're given, something like that. Yes. That was really bad. I don't know.
0: Yeah, you're right. That's like, anyone who knows anything about Lord of the Rings or they Tolkien, know they yeah. know that
1: line. That and not all who wander are lost. <laughs> yeah, true. Yeah. Not all who wander. That poem is actually talking about Aragorn. Huh. Yeah. What? Yeah, it's talking That's about how he is going to, it's a prophecy of him returning to the Gondor throne. So, hmm. yeah. Not all. Fun fact. Pippin. Then Pippin goes and screws everybody over. <laughs> Fool of a toque. Fool of a Took. Okay. Yeah. That little son of a... Biscuit. <laughs> he knocks down all of that armor and... They have a cave troll. They have a cave troll. He basically wakes up the army of Moria that's just hanging out there. Waiting for that to happen, I guess. And they come and they attack and it's this epic battle. Melissa, I'm so curious what you thought of that. That was our first really action that we see. And that is only a small sliver of the action that we are going to see in the next two movies. So what were your thoughts?
2: I thought it was terrifying when all the orcs start coming up like spiders. Yeah, you haven't seen any of the orcs. This is the first time we really see them in action. Yes, yeah. I guess. yeah. No, I thought it was terrifying. It was like something from my nightmares. You know when you squish a spider that's like pregnant and then all of a sudden all of them come crawling out? All the babies come crawling out. That's kind of what it reminded me of where you're Mm -hmm. in the heart of this... The mine is like a heart of a giant mama spider. Yes. And then you like... Squish something or awaken <laughs> something, and then all of a sudden, all the baby spiders come like pouring out like a water. F- it was gross. Uh, <laughs> that's a really. Gross that's actually visual. was their inspiration for those goblins. Was and it orcs?
1: Was insects? Yeah. Ooh. They talked about that in the commentary. They wanted it to feel
2: like insects just crawling up and down the walls, oh, and gross. they delivered. Oh yeah, I felt it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was hard to watch. Um, I felt so bad for Pippin that he. He wasn't even trying to start, like, a fight. Um, That led to some unfortunate events. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, and then it, like, led to that huge battle. Or, I mean, this, like, um, this battle where they're trapped in that room. And um, for a moment, they thought they lost Frodo. Mm -hmm. Um, But then they find out that he has the special armor. Yes, the Mithril.
1: I love this scene, especially. It's one of my favorite scenes in the whole three movies because it is the one and only time that you see the nine fellowship together fighting you see like this amazing shot of the camera just panning over all of them getting ready Legolas has his bow drawn Aragorn and Boromir have their swords ready the hobbits have got their little daggers out ready to go and it's just this awesome wholesome like no it's not wholesome it's really epic honestly and it's it's so special because that won't happen again, and they all disperse, and it's really bittersweet to watch that scene because it's the first time they're all fighting as a team, and I just
2: love it. It's so special. And everyone fights in their different ways. they have yeah. their own um, way of fighting, and they're, like what we said in the beginning, like they're different cultures, they're yeah. different home backgrounds of um, fighting, but like together they make such a good team. Yes. Throughout the... The mm-hmm. battle. Yeah. It's kind of
0: fun to watch all the different species fight in their own way.
2: Yeah. Coming together to, yeah, right.
0: protect. I wrote this in my notes. Literally, Legolas is the only member of the Fellowship I never worry once about dying in the whole trilogy. That's true. You never, ever worry, and they never even <laughs> show anything where he's remotely, like, hurt. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, no, some, that's like, like ma- I just thought that was interesting.
3: And Legolas is such a lighthearted character. Mm -hmm. I wonder if it was a struggle to find the inner conflict in him. But I think Orlando Bloom tried to find it and did a really good job Mm. for what Orlando Bloom has done in the past. I think it's his best role yet in being able to keep the elvish... In immortality and confidence while also being excited about the adventure and the action Mm that's coming and
1: being strong in that. We loved listening to the cast commentary, especially for Orlando Bloom because he would just spend so much time... Talking about particular acting choices that he makes. And you can just tell this dude is ripe out of acting school. Because he was. He was new. He he took on that role as like, I am Legolas and Legolas is me. And you can see that. And it makes him stand out in a really intentional way. Because he doesn't have a lot of screen time. Well, should we talk about the Bellrog? Yeah. Balrog. Take us there. That nasty... Well... My biggest question that I wrote down was, I don't even know what a Belrog is. I think it's just a big, nasty demon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Great. I think so. Yes. Well, there's this moment where they're surrounded by all the goblins and all the orcs, and they hear the drums of the Belrog. And um, the musical theme that is playing is called um, the Bridge of khazad Doom. And it's this amazing male chorus, and they're singing these epic themes just really sets the tone for the distress that you see on Gandalf's face I mean he says swords are no use here like we just have to run now and I think if you heard that from so creepy yeah if you heard that from the leader you were like following like we gotta go now I'd be like pissing my pants. The guy who kept yeah. the cool the whole time. And that it just escalates and builds and builds and so much just yeah. comes together. And it's you just... wonder what sort of spirit world connects Gandalf and the Bellrock because they speak, he speaks to him so... You know, I don't even know how to articulate that, but he speaks to him as though, like, they have some sort of a relationship, like, nope, you can't pass, dude, like, we've been through this before, you know the rules, like, there's something about the way Gandalf addresses him that feels so, I mean, if Gandalf felt like he really had no authority over that Belrog, he would have kept running. But he stopped and he said, you cannot come any farther. Like, you know the rules. Like, there was something about that moment that just feels like Gandalf knows something that they don't. Yeah.
3: Totally. I like the switch between you cannot pass to you shall not pass.
1: Yeah. You cannot pass. You shall not. Yeah. And I hate that that moment's turned into such a meme because... I know. It's such a wonderful moment. Like, it seriously, like,
2: sends goosebumps, like, all over... What did you think of that moment, Melissa? Well, I just thought it was so powerful, like, the power of words, too. Um, True. It's so, like, I think in real life, like, the power of words is so important. And, like, um, he goes from a statement of, like, you just, you can't pass Mm -hmm. um of like this is the rule to like he takes authority over that and commands it um with his words and says like you shall not like you're not going to because I'm gonna Mm. stop you and um and he does like and it cost his life but like he he did it and he did it to protect Mm -hmm. everyone um and that's just such a powerful moment and like in real life like our the words that we use To speak over ourselves or to speak over other people Mm. are so powerful. Um, I think it's a really good, like, story, analogy. I love it. Whatever you'd say. I don't know. Snaps.
0: (laughs) I thought of the Goofy
1: movie, you know, when they do snaps and the little jazz clips. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I love that movie. Groovy, man. So true. That song that they sing when summer lets out. Do you know what I'm talking about? No. Jenny, you can't just bring up the Goofy movie and then drop it. I don't remember. I just remember <laughs> How do you snaps. remember the Snaps in a jazz club, but you don't remember the biggest musical? I haven't seen
3: the Goofy movie in so long. I'm
1: so sorry to derail us. That there. is a good movie. That's a really good it's movie. Let's do...
3: That's our next podcast.
1: <laughs> Skipping ahead, we are in Lothlorien, and this is where Galadriel and her husband lives. I'm blanking on that bro's name, but they live in... In the woods, honestly,
3: Galadriel's husband is kind of forgettable f- to everybody. But, but he's not he in the is, book. But he
1: shouldn't be. He's
3: so important in the book. Yeah, but even in the book, he's not featured as much as Galadriel.
1: I just, I guess, I didn't get that impression. I felt like they were like a team out there. That's true. But they just didn't portray it. They know didn't. Know I mean? Yeah, I'm glad that they gave Kate Blanchett the power and authority she deserves because. That's one, one of her one best word, roles. One word, Kate Blanchett. I mean, yeah, we've discussed Ugh. that in the past. She's that great. But this is a really special moment. One, because we see women so infrequently that it's just refreshing to see a woman on the screen. I'm like, oh, some estrogen. Praise God. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, and Tolkien was criticized for not having enough strong female roles. Mm-hmm. And... Peter Jackson extended Arwen's role to kind of encourage Compensate the, for the that. beauty that she is. She's yeah. really minor in the book. Yeah. And I think Lady Galadriel is Tolkien's success story yeah. in a strong female
1: She's story. so amazing. She's so revered by these men, mm-hmm. not only as characters, but as actors. The way that these actors talk about working with Cate Blanchett is extremely heartwarming.
3: Really? Yeah,
1: it is. They, they love her. It was really cool. They get, like, kind of, like, boyish when they yeah. talk about her. They're like, "Kate Blanchett working with her. Uh, it was great. It was so funny. She's so
2: pretty. <laughs> Seriously.
1: <laughs> and you can see that. I mean, she walks down the stairs, and you see the light. Like, their faces are just like, "Should we? what should we do? And Aragorn actually tips his head down mm-hmm. out of respect. He doesn't even know if he should look at her. Wow. And then Galadriel is able to speak to them... In their, in their heads, and um, she says different things to all of them. Um, Jenny pointed out something really sweet last night um, to Sam. Yeah, basically she was talking about their quest and how they were probably
0: going to fail, but she has this quote, and she said, hope remains, and she looks directly at Sam. I don't know if you caught that, but she looks directly at Sam when what? she says, hope remains. And you can tell it's not just a coincidence thing, it's a... Very meaningful directed moment because yeah. Sam has this look where he just is like, I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, like maybe, I don't know. It was just so cool.
3: He's yeah. Next time you
0: watch it, you have to recognize that. That's a that. cool spot. Wow. It really is. And then you see, like in contrast, you see Boromir's face where he just literally is crying because mm-hmm. he's looking at her and he doesn't know what to think. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I just think I, that's fascinating. I almost fascinating. now
3: want to watch Lord of the Rings and just focus on one character at a time yeah. and see how is everything impacting that one character Yeah. Uh-huh. instead of just enjoying it. I want to watch how is Sam developing through this movie because totally. I just don't think I focus on him enough.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: I think so much is happening with him and that's the point is all the other main characters kind of Frodo is the ring bearer. Aragorn is the son of Gondor. Mm-hmm. Gandalf is Gandalf the wizard. Everyone has their cool thing, and Sam is just Sam. Mm-hmm. Right. So it'd be so cool to just watch it and watch him. Mm-hmm. Totally. I
1: love that, Maya. I love Sam. He's my favorite character in all of these movies because that is what he represents, hope. He's just hope throughout the whole thing. Well, and Tolkien
0: even said himself,
2: the real hero of the char-
1: the story is, is Sam. Sam.
2: Yeah. Ooh. That's he so loves cool. Sam. We're we're big Sam fans here. Yeah, because he's the one that kind of gives Frodo hope, and yes, mm-hmm. he's so loyal. He sticks so with loyal. Frodo throughout the whole thing. Yeah, and so without him, I mean, who knows if Frodo would have had the courage or confidence to keep going? And I don't think Sam even had the confidence, but he he decided he was going to mm-hmm. do it no matter what, or to encourage mm-hmm. no matter what.
1: Yeah, we could spend so much time talking about the individual gifts that Galadriel gives to each of them, which unfortunately is only in the extended edition. I wish you would see each of those gifts being handed out. You oh. know that the light of the even star goes to Frodo. You see that in the other movies. But it's interesting. Galadriel gives Frodo light because he needs that. He needs something to look forward to, needs something to keep him going. And she gives Sam rope. Which seems like, why? But it's like, so he can be lifting up. Like, he can be carrying the weight. There's something... Maybe I'm reading too much into that. Yeah,
3: not thought about it at all. Yeah,
1: and the book is, it's kind of a play on the book because throughout the whole fellowship book he's beating himself up about the fact that he didn't pack any rope he's like i knew i was gonna need it and i forgot it oh yeah and then galadriel gives him rope and it's (laughs) just so sweet it's just i love i love the way that they pay homage to the book throughout the movie it's important to note that galadriel takes frodo to the fountain where she shows him what will happen if he fails And what he sees is the Shire on fire. And that in his eye and in all of the Hobbit's eyes is the most precious thing to them. So to see the Shire being burnt up and run by orcs and run by the villains of Isengard is the worst case scenario for them. Totally. One more really important thing I think
0: I noticed, or I did notice throughout this section was Galadriel, when she's saying goodbye to Aragorn, she literally tells him to his face that he is the choice to rise, to rise up and take his place or to fall like his ancestors. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if someone told me that straight to my face, I'd be like... Gulp. <gasps> yeah, like, whoa. No pressure. And I feel like you do notice a little bit of a distinct switch in Aragorn because mm. she says they won't meet again, and I think it kind of puts it in perspective for him... Because up until this point, we know he's the heir of the throne and all these things. But it's like, is he going to actually go for that or not? Mm -hmm. And she tells
1: him, it's like, okay, this is it. This is it straight. Like, you're either going to do this or you're not. Yeah. Which I think is the same conversation she's having to Frodo just differently. Like, she showed the Shire being absolutely villainized and perverted and poisoned to kind of put some fire under Frodo. Like, this is what's at stake. Similarly, that's what she's saying to Aragorn. Again, just another element that these characters are connected to. Frodo feels the weight of the Shire. And, I mean, gosh, Aragorn literally feels the weight and the fate of man. So, again, two really big moments for those characters. Um, But they leave, and it's really epic. They have these gifts. They're floating down the river because they feel like they won't be tracked. But unfortunately, they are tracked. And um, the leader of the Urukai, this horrific, terrifying, ugh, he gives me the creeps. Apparently, the actor that played that character was sitting in makeup for 10 hours. And he would come in at 9pm to do makeup and would do makeup until 9am. Like all night. So that he could film all day. So they could film all day. They just didn't have time for him to be in makeup during the day. Did he sleep while they're doing makeup? Uh, They had, I don't know. I have no idea. But it was a full body thing and they did it all night long. Lots of red for Bowl. months and months and months. <laughs> like it's just crazy. That's crazy. Something that CGI just can't do. Yeah, totally. It makes it so much
2: more special and unique that mm-hmm. they put their blood, sweat, and tears into it. Mm-hmm. Well, and you probably like as you're getting your makeup put on, like you probably feel more like your character. Yeah, more
1: mm-hmm. and more,
2: and so he. He had 10 hours to, like, character develop before the day. (laughs) This is
3: what I love about Lord of the Rings, is we forget that it was created in early 2000, Mm -hmm. and it had been in the making before that. So this, everything that's happening right now is culture changing. Mm -hmm. Every single (laughs) effect they make, every single moment is so unique to... The film industry and groundbreaking I, and groundbreaking it and it, when I watched this movie as a kid it changed the way I saw the world yeah and I forget that when I watch it today yeah. I just forget that I mean the way they decorated the orcs mm-hmm. is so terrifying yeah and you remember those things. It's embra- emblazoned in your mind. Yeah.
1: And Jenny and I were talking again as we've been watching the appendices. We love watching <clears> the <throat> behind the scenes. There's just hours and hours and hours and hours of these behind the scenes of these movies that Jenny and I watch very frequently because we love them. No matter how many hours of that I watch, whenever I sit down and watch the actual movies, I never see actors. I see orcs. Like True. I can never see behind... You know how sometimes like... You watch behind the scenes of like a Marvel movie or something and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, and you, it, it kind of spoils the way that you watch that movie in the future because you're like, oh, well, I know that that's fake. There's just something about the way that these put these, the way that they put these movies together that I just, I'll never feel that. Every totally. time I watch it, I'm transported. I'm like, that's not styrofoam. That's, that's a Yurikai. Like, I just refuse to believe anything different. <laughs> I don't care what you say. I
3: think a green screen makes a difference on the actor and the oh, whole quality does. of production. It has to. It has to. It, it like, changes the reality that's being built. Because yeah. when you're filming on site, reality is on site. Yeah. So, it, it makes the music, the actor, the editing yeah. all shape towards that reality. You can Mm-mm. fake it with a green screen, yeah. but it's just not the There's same.
1: There's something human about using real things, and that's why these movies are timeless, because they feel human. That Yurikai is creepy and scary, but the reason why he feels that way is because he kind of looks like a guy, but like worse. Yeah. Because it's a real <laughs> dude. You know, like some of the villains in these movies nowadays, I'm just like, it's hard to believe it or buy into it because I'm like, I know that that's fake. But when it's a Yurikai and there's no CGI involved and it's just a guy in so much makeup, you forget. Your mind just kind of... Which I think would have been fun as an actor to be playing off of those things. You're not playing to a man dressed up in a green suit. You're playing to these guys who look terrifying. That's got to... It's closer to theater, which most of everybody comes from a theatrical background getting Mm -hmm. into movies. At least the big ones did. Um, Christopher Lee, Ian McKellen, they all did. Yeah. Well, we should talk about the big final scene where they are fighting the Urukai, and um, something really, really sad happens, and that Boromir does die. So, Maya, you were eager to talk a little bit about it? Well, I
3: felt that Boromir's death had been led up to really well. That Mm. you hated him and you love him. And I guess if we're just diving straight into it, his death became this heartbreaking sob story of just the nobility of who he really was Mm. shown. His kingly mindset that he truly was a noble steward of Gondor, mm-hmm. that he could have been what his father wanted him to be, and we'll get more into his relationship with his father in the next movies, but it it makes you love Boromir after mm-hmm. after his death makes it even worse to lose him. Yeah. And the fight he the fight he puts up for the Hobbits too. What's he
0: got, like three arrows in him and he's still going at yeah. it oh. until he literally can't and then there's that moment where he finally, finally falls to his knees and the hobbits are picked up by the orokai and they're dragged away mm-hmm. and he's just there and it's like so everyone's sad. passing him and it's so tragic. Yeah. You feel that death in your
1: gut. It's no like, matter how many times you watch it, you feel that. Literally. And it really does feel like he's kind of like the sacrifice of like the age of men. He's like one of the last like... Man, the, the species of man to experience a world where evil is so dominant and when he dies it kind of represents this new era of man that he's so grieved to not be a part of and that's what makes his death so sad because you feel like he really comes to himself he calls Aragorn his king which if you had told him that at the beginning of the movie he wouldn't have believed
3: and maybe maybe Tolkien is always saying how weak men are and how Isildur betrayed Frodo, betrayed everyone um, leading into the future so when Isildur took the ring wouldn't put it in the lava Boromir is that current day representation of Isildur's weakness which maybe we think that could have been Aragorn but Boromir takes the brunt of that weakness Mm -hmm. and there's still nobility in him and I think Tolkien is saying that mankind has nobility even in our destructive evil weakness because this was written Mm -hmm. um during and after world war ii so we knew the evil
2: of man and it's such like a redemption story where he goes from such a extreme place of just really struggling with like the ring and like Mm -hmm. people probably don't like him and um and then coming to himself more and like learning what's really important and protecting the hobbits and everybody on that team Mm -hmm. um and literally like I think in the beginning they said like I'll sacrifice and everything for you like I'll fight to the death for you Mm -hmm. um and he lived out that yeah like right in that moment and Mm -hmm. he he never stopped until it was he had nothing left
1: yeah.
2: <laughs> I'm so sad.
1: A question that came up that I thought was, did did Frodo know that Boromir died? Because he's gone. They address that in the second movie. They do? Okay, great. Sorry, I'm just in the fellowship. Totally <laughs> I, fine. Yeah. I'm not even looking to the other movies. Also, but... Sean Bean's such a good actor. He's so great.
0: Oh. Amazing. <sighs> yeah, uh-uh. I think so.
3: Also... Side note: I love the moment where Mary and Pippin, in the extended edition, say goodbye to Frodo, and they say, "Frodo, come here, come here, come right. ride with us, come, come here, Frodo." And Frodo says no, and then it's—he's leaving. Think Mary. Mary, Mary gets it, mm-hmm. and it's just so heartbreaking. Yeah. Can you imagine seeing your friend? And seeing them say, no, I'm not coming. Yeah. Yeah. And that being your friend. Like, right. That makes me want to sob mm-hmm. right there. And then they turn around and sacrifice themselves basically
0: by distracting all the orcs and mm-hmm. running the other direction. That's so a death can... sentence. It
1: mm-hmm. is. Yeah, they didn't know if they were going to get saved or if they were going to die right then and there. didn't. We everyone did not
0: Even address the part where Aragorn lets Frodo go. That's one of my favorite moments in all three movies. Yeah. He's like, I would have I would have been with you to the end yeah.
3: every goodbye is noble mm-hmm. every goodbye except for Boromir's who's so heartbreaking but his death redeems himself yeah. right and then I don't think he says goodbye to Legolas or Gimli but I think Legolas and Gimli are just kind of along for it oh, yeah they're they're not as close with Fro- Frodo so it's okay they they have their own thing later but Uh, each goodbye is horrible and then Mm -hmm. sam's is the only one Mm -hmm. that we're all waiting for we're like how is sam gonna say
1: goodbye to him how is sam gonna and then the answer is sam will not say goodbye to him absolutely not well frodo didn't try to say goodbye to sam he was gonna leave sam he just got in the boat and he didn't even make an effort to say goodbye that scene makes me cry every single time i watch it like i'm getting a little weepy thinking about it like it is so powerful he's like I know you are, and I'm gonna go with you. And Frodo's like, but you can't swim. Like, what are you thinking? Like,
2: and it's like that I'm brotherhood. Anyways.
1: <laughs> yeah, that brotherhood. Sam, and then Sam says, Gandalf told me, don't you leave him, Sam Wives, Gamgee. You. Don't you leave him. And Sam just took that. He didn't have all the answers. He didn't know exactly all the details, what the ring meant. Sam doesn't ask questions, he just is there. Serves. And he serves, and he doesn't ask Frodo questions, He and I think that's such a calming presence. I mean, obviously, Frodo and Sam's relationship gets tested in the other movies, but up until this point, Sam is just devoted to Frodo, and <sighs> the only thing that makes sense to him is to just not leave his side. That's the only thing that makes sense to him, and he feels like by breaking that, he would be betraying his own quest. So, I love that scene, and that's how the movie ends. They float away, and Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli decide to go and fight some orc, because... And Boromir's body gets sent down the waterfall, and there's those big
3: angels, maybe I'm mixing things up. They're
1: the Gondor kings. The Gondor kings. There's that important
0: moment where you see Aragorn putting on on Boromir's cuffs,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: if you've ever noticed Uh, that. The director talked about that, Peter Jackson. What'd he say? Just how it's a little hidden moment that most people don't notice, but Aragorn, after his death, puts on his cuff links for Gondor, and then he's like, let's go get some work and save Merry Pippin. Yeah. It's just a fun little tidbit that you Mm -hmm. wouldn't notice unless you were, like, really on it.
3: Yeah. Aragorn. What a guy. What
1: a guy. Yeah. And it's just... I mean, this fellowship, they took so many hits, this movie. They lost Boromir. They lost Gandalf, and it's important to really sit in the weight of that to appreciate split. what comes, you know, in the future. So any concluding thoughts?
2: Melissa? I'm excited to see what happens next.
1: Oh, I'm excited for you to see it. Well, I love you guys. Love you
2: too. Love you.
1: Goodbye, fellowship. Goodbye.
0: Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Crescendo.
0: Oh, (laughs) whoops.